Our text is Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23, and verses 39 through 43, Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, as we look at the second sermon in this uh, series of seven sermons on the uh, last sayings of Jesus Christ from the cross, you might say, or the the seven sayings from the cross had different uh, titles to it. People preached on this over the years, many preachers have. And, and so I, today that's what we're looking at, the second saying, uh, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to your heart today. In Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 39, it says this, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we, indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Well, shall we pray? Father, again, we want to rightly divide your word. And again, I would say that there's one in this auditorium or listening by way of internet or radio who does not know that if they died today that heaven's their home. I pray that today would be the very day they come to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we would ask this in that name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If there's one thing I want you to get from this uh, series of the seven last utterances of Christ from the cross, it would be this one thing. I mean, of all the things, I, I hope you get more than this, but I want you to at least get this. That's simply this. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. He's the sweetest name on mortal tongue, the sweetest carol ever sung. Jesus. Blessed Jesus. We're here today because of Jesus. Now the first thing I want you to see in our text is that salvation is by grace. That is God's grace and it's our unmerited favor. We, we receive it from him because we don't deserve it. But it's unmerited favor. That's what grace is. But you see, Jesus is a friend of sinners. In, in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, the Pharisees and the lawyers of that day were accusing him of being a friend of publicans and sinners. In other words, that Jesus of yours. Look at some of these people he's around. Look at some of those people he's hanging with. They're, they're not the religious people. They're not the uh, good, uh, faithful people. No, no, look at all those people they're with. He's with the low life. Well, I'm saved because he's a friend of publicans and sinners. Democrats, too. But they'll be living one day in eternity if they've received him with the Lord Jesus. If not, they're in an eternal lake that they will never escape. He loves low life. 
Some say, well, you mean that person's in the church, they say they got saved? I would question God on that. No, I, I think the best thing is question, did God know what he was doing on your own salvation? You know, why would he save me? I have no idea, but he did. And I know it's because he loves us. Being with sinners was his plan all along. In 2 Peter 3, 9, we're told the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to us word. He's not willing that any, get that, not any, not most, not just some, no. He's not willing that any should perish. That is, go to an eternal lake of fire. He's not willing that any human that that happened to. But that all should come to repentance. But you see, you don't go just because he wants you to go. You've got to repent and believe the gospel. That's his way. That's what he teaches. That's, that's his plan. The apostle called himself, that is the apostle Paul called himself, the chief of sinners before Jesus Christ saved him. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11 tells us of Jesus that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So praise God, he came for me. He came for you. That's his love for us. He died on a cross for us. Pilate gave the order to crucify him with the thieves. And when he gave that order, it fulfilled a prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 53, 12, that was written 700 years earlier. It says that he was numbered, speaking of Jesus, he was numbered with the transgressors and bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Yes, that's what he did for us. God always makes the first step. You know, you've heard me say this before, but it's just like the wedding. The groom comes down, he says, I do, but she doesn't say, I do. It's, it's, it's not there. It doesn't happen. They both have to say, I do. They both have to make that commitment. Jesus has already made the commitment to us. He died for us. I mean, some gals get a very expensive ring. They're given. But the guy didn't have to shed all of his blood and, and die to give you that ring. Jesus did. But you must receive it. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Yes, he loved you first. He made the first step. And the Bible lets us know he first loved us. 1 John four nineteen. In the first sermon, we were looking at Christ on the cross, and we see that he was interceding already. He was saying, Father, forgive them. Throughout that entire time up there, he's saying, Father, forgive them. When they're driving nails into his hands, he's saying, Father, forgive them. When men are down there cursing and mocking him, he's saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he never stopped. And just think. All men that day that were surrounding the cross were seeing something they had never seen before in a victim. The victim was praying for them and loving their souls. 
But they weren't looking at him in regard to their own soul. Jesus came to die. He wanted to die for our sins so that we could have everlasting life. He made the first step in the saving of our soul. Keep it in mind that the picture that we have on the cross, I know people like to paint a beautiful picture and have wear these little crosses with the man on it and then gold and all that. That's not the cross. That was an old rugged cross. That was a filthy cross. That was a bloody cross. But more importantly, the one on the cross was a perfect, sinless sacrifice dying for us. For had he not been, it would have just been a bad thing that a person was innocently, innocently killed on the cross if his blood had no effect. But his blood does have effect. There's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he will save. He's the perfect Savior. The thief that could see that knew that he could only be saved by grace. There would be no other way. I mean, you consider the facts for him. He did not have a moral life. He was, he was a thief. Uh, he respected neither God nor man. He's on a cross too. And before the day is done, he too will be dead. It's a death watch. And for that thief, there's no chance to do any good. There's no chance to do anything that some people think would merit God's grace. But he can't. But my friend, you and I can't either, even fully healthy. No one will be able to say in heaven, I'm here because I lived a good life. I'm here because of the money I gave. I'm here because I kept the commandments. Now, many will try in that day when they stand before him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Remember what that will is? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You're not going to get to heaven if you don't repent. Say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I need to get right with God. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. And that's the first step in understanding. That's the first step that we make towards God is knowing that we are sinners. So he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And in thy name have cast out devils. <laughs> I, I always find it interesting, that passage. He doesn't question, did they do those things? See, what they're doing is trying to earn their way to heaven. And so he says to them the final verse, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Not that I used to. No, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. 
and their eternity will be in hell. You see, one goes to heaven only by the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the only way. This cross refutes some false notions that are out there today. It refutes purgatory. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, I mean, if you say, well, if he spends a lot of time in purgatory, he might make it. Jesus said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today. There wasn't going to be a waiting period. Today. And the thief obviously knows that he didn't earn it. But you see, for us as Christians, that takes out the fear. I mean, wouldn't death have a fear saying, if I had to face a purgatory, even as a Christian, well, I'll get out of there someday. Oh, no. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And it's very, very, very instant. Yes, purgatory is reputed by the cross. You go to either heaven or to hell when you die. There's no in-between. It's one or the other. To go to heaven, you must repent and believe the gospel. That must happen before you die. We see also this refutes soul sleep. He doesn't wait until judgment day. He said today. That soul's not going to go to sleep. He's going to be with the Lord. It refutes a good work salvation. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. We read in Titus 3 and verse 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's the way He saves us. Religious ceremony doesn't save you. That's another thing the cross proved. This guy never got baptized. He was dying on the cross. He never got baptized. He never partook of the Lord's Supper. He never joined the church. Now, when you receive Christ, you should get baptized. Not to get saved. Once you get saved, you get baptized to show that you got saved. You should join the church. Jesus did that. You know when people say, well, I don't mind getting saved. I don't even mind getting baptized. But I'm not going to join the church. Well, he just told Jesus that that's the stupidest thing that he ever did is to make you think that people think they need to join a church. No, you just don't join any church. You join the church where they preach the word, where they stand on the truth, and they don't compromise it or water it down. But he ordained that you join the church. He ordained the Lord's Supper. The Lord did that. That's not me. That's the Lord that did that. Do God's will, God's way. But those are things after your salvation. They don't save you. They don't keep you saved. 
But the question that you have to ask yourself is this. If those things don't save, uh, then what does? Well, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. One second after death is paradise for the saved. Do you know by the word of God that if you were to die today, that one second later you would be in paradise? Hebrews tells, uh, 6 tells us that God doesn't lie. As a matter of fact, it says it's impossible for him to lie. Therefore, he'll never break a promise. He says, him that come to me, I'll in no wise cast out. He said, for whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved. Now, I want to illustrate that. Let, let, let's just imagine it's Christmas time. And I go out in the room just before bedtime. And I put some hot chocolate there on the table. And, and I put some cookies. And I go to bed. About 20 minutes later, I wake up, I go out there and look. Oh, go back and sit down. I do that about every 20 minutes. I'm waking up and I go out at the bedroom door and look, see if they're still there. Finally, after about three hours, my wife says, what in the world are you doing? Well, I tell her. She gets up, goes down in the other bedroom and locks the door. Finally, about 5 o'clock, I wake up, I go out there, and the hot chocolate is cold now, and the cookies are still there, and I bang and stomp my feet, and I say, oh no, Santa didn't get his hot chocolate, and, and, and he, he didn't leave any presents under the tree. And my wife is calling the guys with the white jackets uh, to come out and take me away. But as crazy and as silly as uh, illustration as that is, it's just as silly, it's even more silly to think that you can earn heaven when you've sinned against an all-holy God. It's just as silly to think that you can earn it. You see, we are saved by grace. It's God's grace. But not only are we saved by grace, but the second thing is that we, I want you to see this morning... Is, is the idea of saving grace and prayer. You know, it's interesting, the prayers are there. There's the prayer of the selfish thief. Save thyself and us. Now, he's receiving the same witness everybody else is there. The other thief, the thief that does ask the Lord for salvation, but he has the same uh, witness in front of him. He sees what's happening. Jesus is their witness. Now, the failure is not on Jesus' witness. You witness the gospel and somebody doesn't get saved. It's not your failure. It's their failure if they don't receive it. That was the failure here of this thief. He would not receive it. Why would he not receive it? I just wonder that even on the cross, he's so tied up in himself that it's below his dignity to repent, admit that he's a sinner and he needs a Savior. He wanted saved from death so that he could continue in his sin a little longer. Too many Baptists are forgetting today that uh, when we believe in eternal security, we are forgetting that eternal security 
is not a license to go out and live the way you want to and do all the evil you want to because you're saved, you're going to heaven anyway. That's not it. Acts chapter 20, verse 21 says repentance towards God. Why? Because all sin is against God. And faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ, believing that His righteousness and His sacrifice stood in our place on the cross. And when He shed His blood and died and rose from the dead, it counted for us. And we are giving ourselves to Him. We're giving Him our heart and life. He doesn't take your heart and life so you can go out and live wild and sin. You've got the wrong idea about salvation if you do. The prayer for salvation from sin saved that other thief from sin. You know that the other thief that prayed and asked for salvation, he misunderstood theology. He thought he was going into a soul sleep. He said, Lord, when you go into your kingdom, when? So his heart was right. But his mind was wrong on that because it's not a win. It, he would right then. He didn't even ask if you go into your kingdom. He said when you go into your kingdom. The heart was right. And that thief didn't do like James and John who said, uh, Lord, can you give us uh, these high seats in eternity? Can you give us these great seats up there in your kingdom? No. As a matter of fact, when the other thief speaks up, he speaks against it. He stands against him. He lets him know. He says, look, don't you see what's going on here? We're up here. We deserve it. We deserve what's happening to us right now. We deserve it. This one doesn't. He says, don't you fear God? I see five very important things that this thief recognized. I think that he recognized that Jesus Christ was God incarnate. That he was God come in the flesh. Again, he said when, not if. And he knew only God, the Son, would come and be the King of kings and Lord of lords. He knew that, and so he knew that this was God incarnate. Fact two... He understood the person of Jesus Christ. And it gave him such a profound sense of his guilt. He knew that he was separated from God by his sin. And in just a few short hours, he'd be going into eternity. But looking at that other person on the cross, he knew Jesus saved. There was no doubt about it. And we too must realize that we are each sinners. Let us imagine, I own a business in California. And I, I see that you have some certain talents and abilities that could really help that to flourish. And I say, uh, listen, would you go out to the land of fruits and nuts and uh, <laughs> work for me there? And, 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 and I'm going to send you a salary. I'm going to send you checks. And so... You you can say, yeah, I'll go out there and I'll do that. And, and you go on out. I've, I've got a place for you. I've equipped you and all that. All you have to do is go there and do it. And so you go. Boy, every week you're getting those checks. They're coming in week after week. But after about a year, I just make a surprise visit. 
I find out that you've not been working at all. As a matter of fact, you've been working for somebody else and getting a salary from them and just taking my checks and putting them in your bank account. You've been caught. Even though you were sent out there with a purpose, uh, you got out there and found other things in your own self-interest and you cashed in at Satan's bank. Well, you would be just as guilty as that thief on the cross. And we're all in that place because he said, Be ye holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So often people want to compare themselves to other people in the church and say, If they're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. And, and for whatever reason, people like to compare themselves to hypocrites. Maybe that's because they know what they are. I don't know. We're not compared to hypocrites. We're not compared to even the best Christian in the church. We're compared to Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. And we all come short of that. For you to miss hell without Jesus Christ, you'd have to be able to, first of all, die, be buried, resurrect your body, make it eternal, and live forever and ascend up into heaven. You can't do that. And that still wouldn't take care of your sin. By the moment you got anywhere near heaven, you'd be kicked right back down. See, you need a Savior just like I do. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're compared to Jesus Christ. That's why everyone needs a Savior. Now, this world tries to get different ways. It refuses to admit sin. In music, it ends up calling its lust love. But it's still lust. The sociologist says that we're a product of our environment, but they forget that Adam and Eve fell in the perfect environment. They, they say that uh, the liberal theologian says, well, we're cured by education and clean air. And yet, they don't realize that the removal of the moral standard and the true doctrine makes the air filthy. They're always trying to purify their good intentions. They're always trying to make it sound good and to sound right. But sin is still sin. You know, you can have a corrupted well. The water's corrupt. It's poisoned. It's bad. It's not going to straighten it out to, uh, to paint the pump white. That just won't do it. And just trying to clean up your life without repentance and faith and admitting you're a sinner, you're not going to go to heaven. And if you are saved today, realize you are saved by the grace of God. Oh, what love. That is the sweetest name on mortal tongue. The sweetest carol ever sung. Jesus, blessed Jesus. But they try to point, paint Jesus up today as some kind of a social drinking hip guy. A real soul man. But that's another Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible. A third fact 
that we say, see here, is that he realized that he could not save himself. Just like leprosy in that day could not be healed, he realized that leprosy, which is a type of sin, he could not heal himself. He could not save himself. That was something, leprosy was something that could be cured only by God and my sin can only be cured by God. It can only be removed by Him and give me everlasting life. Only God in Christ Jesus could save that thief. As the prodigal son, he needed to go to the very source of the one that could help. And only Jesus Christ could help. Fact number four, he saw the perfection of Jesus Christ and he realized Jesus only could save him. And that's true for anyone. He knew that Jesus was without sin. Pilate found no fault in him. Mrs. Pilate said that he was a just man. Judas, who betrayed him, said his was innocent blood. And this thief, he's on the cross and says he has done nothing amiss. And so what does he do? He calls him Lord. Isn't that interesting? In our text, he called him Lord. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Think of that. Jesus is nailed to a tree. He's calling him Lord. He's mocked by everyone that is there that day. But he's filled with undeniable compassion for those who mock him. His throne is a cross. His crown are thorns. His subjects are the transgressors that surround his throne. And he calls him Lord. <laughs> that guy had an in-depth sight that most people never have. He could see that this was the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, and he receives him. That was the Lord on the cross for you and me. But there's a fifth thing. There's a fifth fact. He realized death does not end at all. How many have committed suicide saying, I can't take it anymore, and, and, and they've ended their life. Death would end it all, only to take a step into eternity and found that what they left was a Sunday school picnic compared to what they were entering. Death does not end at all. This man knows he is created in God's image who is a spirit and that spirit's going to depart this body and live forever somewhere in heaven or hell. And he knows he can't earn heaven. But he knows that Jesus, he could see his love and that he appealed to him that he would save him. He knew at the very moment 
that he's hanging on the cross for his sin justly. Jesus is on the cross unjustly, but he's dying for his sin. And he knows, he knows his blood will pay it all. He knows the truth of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. He's at death's door. Now, let me just warn of this. Some people think, well, I'm going to put it off. You might die before you get a chance to get saved for one. But I want you to think of this thief. That is a glorious thing that he got saved that day. But you know what? He's what the Bible calls saved so as by fire. He'll have no eternal reward in heaven. He'll have no treasures laid up. He will have nothing that would show that he loved God except that last moments on the cross. No. Behold, is the ex- now is the time. Behold, today is the accepted time. Now is the time to receive Christ. He knows through the truth of Jesus' words in Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That means you'd go to hell forever. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. He knows the commandment God gave. In Acts 17, 30 and 31, that the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men, all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Now, the measuring stick of righteousness will be the righteousness of Christ. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, not man's own righteousness, Christ's righteousness. And so by that man, uh, he's going to judge us in uh, the whole world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained and whereof he hath given assurance, you can count on it. How? In that he has raised him from the dead. It's a sure thing. The best, most comforting truth is the words that thief would receive there in verse 43. Today, today, not some way down in the future, your soul will wake up. No, no. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. If you died today, is that where you would be? Yet Jesus wants to save you. He's already said, I do to you. But you have to respond to him. As anyone in this auditorium who is saved, the only reason they're saved is they realize they're sinners and could not save themselves. This is a church that's filled with a bunch of sinners saved by God's grace. He paid it all. And they realizing they couldn't save themselves, turned to him, saying, cleanse me of my sin by your blood. 
and come into my heart and life as my God and Savior. They received him that day. Two thieves, both deserved to die, but only one by free will chose salvation. Do you know if you died today that heaven's your home? If not, won't you come to him? Let's bow our heads, please.